Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Deborah Christie Love. What a beautiful name. Thank you. <laughs> so you're going to tell us about your near-death experience today. And I understand you were just a child. I was. I was almost four. What yeah. happened? Um, the surgery, wasn't well, it? Yeah. Yeah, I was going. I went to have my tonsils. And um, I guess I, I actually hemorrhaged is, is what really caused my NDE. I mean, it, it seemed like I, I left soon as I was asleep, but who knows? Time is like irrelevant there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was like they, I was so young. And back then, I mean, it was 1967. So they kind of tricked me into um, the doctor carried me into the operating room and says, oh, your nose is running a little bit. And I was like, no, it isn't. And he said, yeah, just a little bit. I'll get this handkerchief. And of course, then he puts on, I don't know what they use, ether, chloroform, whatever they put on this hanky thing. And he started suffocating me. So, I mean, it was totally unexpected. I thought he was trying to kill me, um, pushed me down onto the table. You know, I couldn't breathe. He was pushing on my face. Um, and I was kicking and trying to scream. It was horrible. And then that's when I went unconscious. But the first thing I saw was like, it almost looked like fireworks. I was seeing like big bursts of like colors, red and yellow and blue and green. And it looked like firework is all I can describe it as. So I was taken away to look at those instead of kicking and screaming. And then I was somewhere else. I was in this tunnel going as fast as I could. And I could feel that where I was going was so good. I couldn't wait to get there. I knew that I wanted to go there more than any place I'd ever been. I, and the more, and I realized the more I anticipated that more I wanted to go there, the faster it seemed like I was speeding through this tunnel of light. So <laughs> what did the tunnel look like? It just seemed like it was made of light. I mean, it was to me, like maybe a room size, small room size width and quite long. And I was just going through it so fast. Um, but as I said, the more I, I thought, oh, I want to go there, it seemed I went even faster. So it was almost like controlled by, by your desire to go there. Was there and sound? I don't really recall there being sound. No. No, it was, um, you know, then I landed in, in this bright whiteness that there was nothing there but that I could see at that point except white light and I was standing there in this white light and I felt like it was God there with the you know the divine presence all that is because I could hear the voice in my head tele telepathically um, and every question I thought in my head was answered immediately before I could even during my whole experience, before I could even form the question, it was like answered before I could even finish the thought of the question in my head. What was that voice like? Um, to me, it sounded very fatherly. Um, it sounded authority, deep, kind of a soothing male voice to me is what I was hearing at that time. Do you remember and what he said? At first, it wasn't, it wasn't like hearing a voice so much as the feeling and, and the knowing that it was communicating with you. Um, the voice was more when I asked questions, but the feelings there were so loving and so good. I knew that this is where 
I belong. This is the best place I've ever been. This is where I belonged. I did never want to leave here. Um, and the love was overpowering. It was just, I knew that no matter what you've done or who you were, like nothing mattered, that all there was was this love that was unconditional. That it didn't matter who would be standing there, what you'd done in your life, none of it mattered. It was just this consuming love that was so powerful. So what were the questions like? Um, well, the, the, the funny thing is I was young, but I still remember feeling exposed. Like when I got there and, and was before this light, I thought, oh, this light knows every single detail about me. You know, and even when you're little, you think, well, I must have done something wrong because <laughs> the earth we live in, right? But it didn't matter. And, and so all that was like washed away. And it was just this most peaceful, loving feeling. Um, and, and then what happened was I started getting a lot of past life energy. I feel like it was energy of memories or whatever of my past lives. And there was many of them and just kept hitting me. And every time I would get like a flash of a scene or people or surroundings or people that were close to me it was different time periods different costumes whatever and it was like they were all familiar but yet they weren't it was kind of like confusing to me and it just was one after the other after the other and it just kept going what seemed like five minutes and then finally i remember saying to myself in my head you know who am i <laughs> and the voice came back and said you are all of them and it was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. Because it kind of felt like it made sense to me. Do you think the these were your past lives or you were seeing other people's past lives and you were part of them? Like, what do you think? Well, I, I believe they were, they were my past lives, but I was seeing like people close to me, different time periods I was in, relatives that I had at the time, different scenes of history, whatever I was seeing was was my lifetime but there were just so many and they were just so fast it was like this huge blur and that's what confused me because each one felt like me somewhere else and people I knew but yet here I was and I don't know them but I do know them so I said who am I you know finally and that's when I heard well you're all of them and I was like oh okay that makes sense <laughs> I don't know how but it made sense <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it was very um, just beautiful. And then, then I felt like there were other beings that came near me. They seemed like, they, I believe they were like guides or angels that came near me. They were very bright, hard to see their body um, solidly, but they were light bodies and they, they were with me and they seemed to, be my guides for most of the time I was there. Um, they took me from that place to, um, they, one of them said to me something like, I'm not sure that you're supposed to be here. We're going to check and see what we should do with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was kind of a strange, like I said, there weren't words. It was all feeling. So you have to interpret it. I've so heard we that went several times. That similar thing. We went somewhere. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Cause I'm thinking, yeah, it sounds kind of crazy, but no, that's what happened. 
And so I guess they realized, you know, hey, you weren't scheduled to be back here yet, kind of. <laughs> I guess um, they have oops. So, <laughs> yeah, or they just have these old souls like us that just kind of decide, hey, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, you have the opportunity when you when you get knocked out like that and your body just goes or your higher self just goes hey i get to go travel and visit somewhere better than here um so they they went somewhere and they they asked somebody higher up and they came back and said something like well just give her the tour and check back in later <laughs> <laughs> so i went to a beautiful garden um and it was amazing there was this huge flower like a sunflower that started talking to me in my head oh hi how are you and it was like even to me as a child it was kind of like wow this flower is really alive because you know flowers on earth don't talk to you we know they're alive but they don't talk in your head um so they did they me after me my five-year-old drowning so this is really interesting to me <laughs> um so they yes everything is alive and everything is energy you want to remember that so i always remembered that when i think back on that because it was so clear they said that and you, you want to remember everything is energy um so let me see i saw a lot of things there i saw the garden um there were a lot of people around i i saw colors that flowers that were colors we don't have here and I remember asking them about that and saying, you know, why don't, you know, why don't we have that color, you know, back home? Why, why don't I know this color? And they said, because, you know, your vibration isn't high enough to see it on earth. And I'm like, they okay, use that, that makes word, sense. vibration. Yeah. Yeah. Your eyes can't see that on earth. And, you know, I didn't realize I was dead or anything like that they took me to a quiet place it was more like um kind of a meditation area like quiet peaceful um and i did ask them at, at one point i kind of said to them you know hey you know am i like dead because <laughs> <laughs> i knew i wasn't in a normal place obviously and she said well what do you think and my response was i i didn't you know, I was so young, I was like four. So I didn't, I'd heard the word heaven, never really thought much about it. But I knew how I felt there. And it was so good that I remember saying to her, well, I didn't even think that heaven would be this good. <laughs> and she said, well, what did you think it would be like? And I remember thinking, well, like church, you know, that's the only thing I could think of to answer and she said and of course she could feel my thoughts around church and I was four and church was like yuck you know who wants to sit still right um so she said she goes well she said no because she goes that wouldn't be heaven then would it <laughs> so I said no I guess not um so you know didn't really answer that I was dead because of course I didn't feel dead I felt very alive in fact i remember thinking at one point that i feel like i'm i just woke up um this is the real me kind of feeling um and 
at one point I actually kind of felt a little wave of what I have to say was like almost nausea. It was very quick, but just a, enough to notice it. And I remember saying to them, I feel kind of funny. And she said, well, you know, you changed vibration very quickly from where you were. It'll just, it'll just last a minute. You'll be fine. <laughs> and I was, I was fine. Like it, it was just a kind of a brief second or two. Um, so then I went to, gee, I went to so many places. I, I saw this, these buildings, like they look like ancient Greece. Um, I, I believe one was like the hall of records and I walked through that and there was a place, it was almost like a, a hallway I walked through where there was all this information. And as I walked through, it was like, I just absorbed all this information. I come out the other end thinking, oh, I think I know everything that ever happened ever, you know? but it just kind of went away after you came out, it just kind of dissipated and went away so you you had it while you were there and as you came out of it it, it just kind of left you but for that few moments it was oh my gosh I know everything that's ever happened <laughs> so that was interesting, interesting. Yeah. um I saw um someone come by a third person came by and it was funny it was like they knew me and I was in this state of just being me, I wasn't really remembering my earth life very much at all. It wasn't in my consciousness much at all. And then I was there, but I wasn't recognizing any people there because I was only four in this lifetime. So I didn't really know anyone that had passed yet. My grandparents were all <laughs> still alive. Um, so I didn't have like people I knew from my earth life there. And somebody came by though and and close enough to me that the guide said, I could hear her thoughts saying, you know, what is she doing here? What is she doing? Here? <laughs> like she knew who I was. And the guides quickly said to them, she can hear you, you have to go away from here. So that person went away from there. And I remember thinking, well, that's odd. Um, didn't really understand it. And then another, another person came up it was like a, a, a female a girl that came over and said to me oh there's someone really important that wants to meet you and wants to see you uh, but it'll take a few minutes until they can you know be available here for you to talk to and so as she walked away went away from me I heard her saying oh you're so lucky and I remember thinking why like what is she talking about <laughs> um so I had no idea what that was all about until about 10 minutes later. And it seemed like I saw this huge ball of golden light coming down into my you know, view. And it got to be, I would say, like at least 10 feet wide. And it was the brightest, strongest light I've ever seen. It was bright gold. And all of a sudden, there was this person there. And I know now um, that his name was Sanat Kamara. And he is an ascended master. And I didn't have a clue, you know, four years old, I had no idea who he was. And he was the most beautiful being that I'd ever seen in my What's life. What's the name? Sanat Kumara. 
And I know that I've done research and things, and he is also known as Master Venus, um, the Ancient of Days as well. And he's a old, very old ascended master, and he is from Venus. And in fact, related to Sananda Kumara, who, whose earth life here was Jesus. Um, and often Jesus has appeared to people saying he is Jesus Sananda. So Sananda is his spiritual name, and he is one of the Kumara. And so Sananda seemed older than him, seemed older and um, I don't know if above him sounds right or something, but he had he had light blonde hair, very light blonde hair, blue, blue eyes, and almost like what I would call a Malibu tan. He had a beautiful um, tanned look about him. And I was standing and he was sitting on like a bench, small bench. And I was standing and I remember looking in his eyes and it was almost like his eyes were like a liquid. They were so beautiful. And I remember thinking, this is the most beautiful being I've ever seen. And the energy was so, I don't have to call it magnetic. It was so strong and magnetic. I almost felt paralyzed. It was so much love beyond what you can imagine feeling. And I remember having the thought that if I could just stay here in this energy for eternity, that would be good for me. That would be enough because it was so amazing. And then he started to talk to me. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like if I, I don't know if I can feel this much love, this much energy and be able to listen and comprehend what you're saying all at the same time. It was so overwhelming. And then he, you know, I remember asking you in my head, you know, who are you? And he, at that point, said his name three times and it shook his voice was so loud and so powerful. It was almost like an, it shook the earth. It shook, it shook heaven. It shook everything. It vibrated with his voice. He said, I am Sanat Kumara. And all of heaven heard him say this. And I remember thinking, what? Like, what kind of, like, that wasn't a name a four-year-old, you know, Canadian person at that time is familiar with it's not like you know I'm I'm Joe Smith it's like what what did you say <laughs> so I said pardon like what what's that because I couldn't repeat that and he said it again just the same way I am so and it shook heaven again and he did it a third time and then he looked down at me and he he said I am your father your heavenly father and so at that point he he got down on the bench and and kind of picked me up, put me on his knee. So he was talking to me and holding me like a father. And at that point, I remember thinking, my father, my heavenly father, don't I have some other father, like, you know, back here in this life? And he says, oh, he goes, yes, but you know, I'm, I'm your heavenly father kind of thing. And then he, he gave me a really beautiful message. It was short and sweet. And he said, you know, your life won't always be easy he said, but you will be, you will have help along the way. Um, and that, that's one of the things that he said to me. There really wasn't a whole lot else that he said. Yeah, he said, it won't always be easy, but you will have help, always have help along the way. And, or you're, yeah. And then when he was finished, 
you know, he put me down and he was going to walk away. And then he said to me, you probably won't remember this. He goes, you need a trigger. He said, your children will always be looked after. And, you know, here I am four and I don't know what a trigger is. And he says, your children will always be looked after. And like, I'm four. So I'm thinking in my head, well, I have some having children someday. <laughs> Look, what does that mean? So, so he walked away. And um, yeah, so after that, oh, I, you know, I was kind of in awe of that whole thing. It was amazing. My guides were back with me. And I went to this place where in the distance I could see a castle. But the first thing I noticed, I was standing on what looked like bricks on underneath me, the ground. And I reached down and touched them. And I was like, this is, I knew this was gold. And they were like, yeah, it's real gold. And I'm touching this and they're going, yes, it's solid gold. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is weird, you know, gold bricks on the, on this road. And I looked up and I saw the most beautiful castle looked like about a half a mile away. It was beautiful. I had all these pointed things on it and it had a lot of gold on it as well. And I remember thinking, oh, I want to go there. Like, I want to go see what's in this castle. This is amazing. It, it reminded me at the time of the Disney castle that you see the beginning of the Disney uh, show. That's what I watched on Sunday. And yeah, so I just thought, I want to go there so much. And my guys at that time were like, um, but that's only for people that are staying here. At that point, I remember going, oh, like, what? They said, well, it's almost time to go back. And I thought, oh, back? Like, no, I don't want to go back. What are you talking about? Um, and I knew it had to be my choice, too. It was like they, they really wanted me to go back, but it had to be my choice. I was, I was well aware of that. And they said, yeah, but it's just for people that stay. And I, I actually felt like when I got, when I heard the word back, I almost felt like this dread going through my entire body. And I thought it was like, I, I knew every negative thing that was going to happen to me in my lifetime back here. And like, who wants that? No, like, I don't want any of that. Um, but then they had to, I had to be convinced. I heard someone think, something about well we'll have to convince her so they they said okay look over here so then I looked over beside them and I saw this like big bubble appeared it almost was like a, a television screen and I saw them showing me my mother and she was crying over my hospital bed and then I thought you know why is she crying I'm right here you know I'm fine and then they gave me her grief and it was horrible and I thought oh I have to go back. I knew when I felt her grief and I said, but I'm right here. I'm fine. And they said, yes, but if you stay here, she, she will have to live the rest of her life without you. And I couldn't allow that. I had to go back for her. And um, yeah, so that, that was why I went back really. And then when I woke up from, from all of this, I, I went back and she was there crying over my hospital bed when I woke up and I remember seeing her and thinking, but I came back. So why are you, why are you crying still? Like I'm, I'm right here. And she said, Oh, she said, don't talk. Don't say anything because you might 
start bleeding again. And sure enough, when she said that, I did. I could feel the blood going down my throat. I was laying down and it was so much of it. I started choking. I said, I can't, I, I started choking. And at that point they came in nurses and I don't know, few doctors or nurses and they took my bed that was on wheels of course and they took it out of the room quickly and they ran them down the hall with my bed and put me back in what I apparently heard was um, put me back to sleep and they did packing or something to stop bleeding and the next time I woke up I was in an oxygen tent (laughs) in the hospital and I had no idea what that was either that really scared me um because I woke up with this plastic bubble around me and hearing this noise because they had like a, a mist vaporizer in there with me and um but my mom was there and she was like well don't don't worry you'll be okay I'm here but I was old enough to know that you, you know you weren't supposed to have a plastic bag over your head like I did seem to have here <laughs> in this bed but she convinced me it was okay so yeah. that's that's pretty much what happened with with that and I do remember later in my hospital room trying to tell them about this other place and it was like the more I tried to remember to tell them about it I could almost feel it like being taken a lot of the memory was just taken away and they didn't really understand my grandmother seemed a bit interested um but my mom was like no you were right here you've been here for two days um you didn't go anywhere and that kind of made sense as well but I remember going yeah but I was somewhere else um but I do remember when she when they took my hospital bed down the hall she said to me don't be afraid don't be afraid and I remember thinking to myself afraid of what like what are you talking about because I thought there's this place and that other place. And honestly, that other place was like way better than here. And so I didn't know what be afraid. I didn't know what she was talking about. Um, but I also knew that I would be fine because I had chosen to come back. And that was final. Like my decision was final. So I, I have to be okay. Cause I, you know, sacrificed all this great stuff to come back here. So I'm not going anywhere. Um, so yeah i was when did you realize that this was real that this is the nde and all that well you know it's funny because i know that on a subconscious level it didn't go anywhere it was always with me my guide started talking to me soon after i came home from my surgery um and I didn't know that wasn't normal for a while. <laughs> what would they talk and to you about? Would it be just in times of trouble or? No, he came, just started talking to me. And I remember thinking and wanted me to trust him, wanted me to know who he was. He said, I'm your guide to the best of my ability. I'll always um, tell you the truth because I, he, I questioned him about stuff like, you know, where are you from? Are you from God? And he was very happy. He said, well, I'm so glad you asked that. And he said, you know, to the best of my ability, I will always, you know, what I, what I say will be truthful, will will be true for you. And 
he would he, he started telling me um, when he first introduced himself. I was in the kitchen with my mother. She was making lunch, and she said, "You know, we're having soup, so put some spoons on the table." But she said, "Don't give your dad that." big spoon with the crappy handle on it because he doesn't like it he'll get mad and I thought okay so I asked him I asked my guide I said is that true you know will he get mad if I give him that spoon and he kind of said, yeah unfortunately yes he will and I thought okay so I'm giving him the spoon because I thought I won't know if he's telling me the truth if I don't try it right <laughs> So of course I gave him that spoon and he sits down and he gets mad at it, about it. And my mom's looking at me like, like I told you not to do that kind of thing. And so I knew he was telling me the truth. And, but I, even, I, even at that young age, I remember thinking, yeah, how, how does he know that? And he also told me, I think it was before that, even he said, mom was doing stuff at the counter and I looked over at her and he said, see that, see that, knife on the counter there beside her that's going to fall on the floor in a minute and I remember thinking okay am I supposed to know that like before it happened <laughs> and, and then it happened I thought okay that's that's weird that's seemed even unusual to me and um yeah so I knew he was always telling me the truth after that so he was always around me protecting me answering questions and talking to me the house we lived in at the time we moved right after my surgery into was a very old, um, fairly big house. It had, um, it had the big part we lived in, but it also had two smaller apartments in it. But at one time was one big house and it was a, a century home, even when we lived there. And um, it came a few resident ghosts at the time. So eventually they ended up going, they ended up leaving. And I know that my grandmother had a lot to do with that. She never spoke about her abilities and didn't tell anyone about it, but I know that she knew what was going on. And when, when one of the ghosts showed them to me, after this one ghost communicated with me for quite a while, she actually showed herself to me and that scared me because I was, you know, so young and I was old enough to know that you must, you should be afraid of a ghost, I guess. But it never occurred to me that the voice I heard in my head talking to me was the same person that, you know, I wasn't afraid of the voice, but when I saw her standing there in the middle of the night and I could see through her somewhat, I thought, no, this, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't normal. <laughs> and I asked, she kept she could feel my fear. She said, why are you so afraid of me? And I really didn't know why I was afraid of her. She says, I just want to talk to you. Um, but I remember bolting out of bed and running down the big staircase we had. And my mom heard me and she came after me. And she said, what's going on? And I said, there's a ghost in my room. And she said, but I don't see anything. And I looked out, I, I went and hid under the coffee table in the living room. And I looked out and I could see her behind my mom. I said, well, she's right behind you. And so my mom turned around and then she disappeared. She went invisible. And so I said, oh, she's gone now. 
And she goes, you were just dreaming. I said, no, I wasn't. I said, I was sleeping and she woke me up. I wasn't dreaming. <laughs> and um, so, but it was funny because again, being so young, when she disappeared, I was like, oh, she's gone now. So I went up to bed and I'm back to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, and never really connected the dots that it was the same voice that I'd heard. Um, and I felt her, she, she was a young girl. And I did ask her, I said, you know, how did you get in my room? Before I bolted downstairs, I said, how did you get in my room? And she said, well, I live here. And I'm thinking, um, no, you don't. You know, I have my mom and dad and my brother, you know, you don't live here. <laughs> she goes, yes, I do. And it just didn't click that, you know, whenever we went into our, what we called our toy room, we had this little third bedroom or extra bedroom that was like our toy room. And whenever we went in there, we could feel her. Even my brother could feel her. And we told my mom several times, you know, there's something we feel in there. You know, we'd be trying to play and she would always be trying to get us to do what she wanted. And we'd always be like, no, we want to do this. And so we'd get annoyed and think, yeah, there's something in there. Like it's always bugging. <laughs> and we tried to, pardon? Does this continue? Does this still happen? No, not not really. I mean, I, I've done a lot of work with my abilities in the past um, 10 years. I've crossed many, many lost ones over and cleared homes for people and done all these kind of things. But that experience was was my first experience with, you know, that ghost in our home. And and so my mom talked to my grandmother about it. I heard them talking on the phone and then my grandmother came to visit a couple days later and she made my mom and me and my brother leave the room she was in the kitchen sat on a chair by herself and said i need to be alone you have to go out of here and she sent this girl home to the light and she came back to me later on after that was done and she said to me um because you know my mom was talking to her on the phone asking me well you know was it was it a Boy, a boy ghost or a girl ghost and I'm like a, a girl and she said how old was she I'm like I don't know and so my grandmother was on the other end going well ask her if it's older or younger and I said well she's older than me she seemed about 12 I would say and so you know after she sent her home to the light she said <clears throat> um well she won't be here anymore she's she's gone home now she won't bother you anymore and I was like, and I remember feeling kind of sad, like, oh, okay, where did she go? Like, what did you do? <laughs> she said, oh, she went home. And I'm like, okay, but where does she live? Oh, she went home far away. She won't be back. And I was like, oh, okay. So she, I, I know that she had these abilities that she didn't really know about. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that never really went away I, I told my mom some things and she didn't like my she didn't like what i was telling her sometimes i really think half the time she didn't believe me but later on i realized that it kind of scared her it scared her that i would tell her these things and what really scared her was once when my guide was there telling me something and she kept questioning it and i said no i said it's not going to happen and I said, just let me check. And so I remember closing my eyes because I could feel where my guide was. And I heard not anytime soon. And I'm telling her this. And she was like, who are you talking to? And she got 
really fearful and upset with me. And so that didn't feel good at all. And so that was what really made me think, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't good. Maybe this isn't what I should be doing. I don't know. It just, it felt really good at the time. Like, oh, she should want to know this, but then apparently she didn't. <laughs> Did you ever share this with your friends or at school? Got kind of be like a little fortune teller or anything predicting the future? There was one time when I was in grade school that um, I was about in grade two or three, maybe. And my one best friend, I thought, well, maybe I can trust her because there was this one day the teacher that was from a room way down the hallway, it was like a one hallway school that I went to and she was down the hall and she was standing there and people were getting their stuff on. They're going home for lunch. And I just happened to look at her and all of a sudden I got this huge energy that said, Oh, she's going to have a baby soon. And it's a boy. (laughs) And I remember thinking, I really honestly think that it was this baby telling me that it was there. And so I did mention it to my friend. Um, She walked home for lunch with me in, you know, grade three. And I said to her, I said, you know, that teacher up the hall, I think it was grade five and six. I said, I think she's going to have a baby soon. And it's a boy. And she goes, why would you say something like that? How do you know? I said, I don't know. I just know. And so I said, don't tell anybody. And of course, what does she do? She went home and told her mother. So that didn't go over really well with her mother. And I said, and her mother didn't believe me. And I said, well, whatever. I said, she's going to have a baby. She won't, you know, you can't hide that forever. So it's going to happen. And of course it did later on. So, you know, you just, you just learn to just, okay, that didn't go over well either. I'm just not telling anybody. (laughs) So you've turned all this into a career now? You know, it took a long time. When I got to be about um, 38, I started, you know, my kids had grown. I was starting to do my own thing much more. I had more time to myself. And I realized, you know, I had this great connection when I was young. I need to get this back. This is who I am. I have time now to work on this. So I started meditating. I started working with um, a lady that did like psychic development classes. And my guide started really working with me. I started doing paintings as well. And he started working with me. He started showing me in past lives. He started um, just being there a lot more. And the funny thing was that it was harder than I remembered it being so easy when I was a child. It seemed a little bit harder than it was, but because I'd have to focus and concentrate, etc. But it got a little better. And you know, I started remembering the whole near-death experience. Pretty much it was from the time when I decided to come back and I started kind of remembering backwards from when I woke up to going to the beginning of it. And the only thing I didn't remember completely at all was the part about meeting Sanat Kamara. I remembered all those other things. And then I went for a reading to the lady that was running the class and she knew I had a near-death experience, but she said, she goes, I don't know why I'm supposed to say this to you. She said, but your children will always be looked after. And oh my God, it was like being hit in the head with a stick. It was like, oh my God, like all of a sudden the whole memory of, of meeting him and what he said all came back to me. 
And she said to me, the next thing she said was, who did you see when you were there? You know, and I remember going, I don't know his name, but he was like, God, like, um, and I just remembered everything. So I remembered what he looked like. And I started looking up ascended masters. And of course, I saw him and recognized him right away. And I was like, Sanakumara. Yeah, that's that name that he said. And I couldn't make heads or tails up when I was young. (laughs) It's funny how those things can trigger us into memory, just a saying like that. Well, he he literally programmed that you know at the i when i got the memory back that was the last thing he said to me you will need a trigger you won't remember this your children will always be looked after i remember going oh okay like what i guess i'm having kids it meant nothing when i was so young um but then when she said it it was literally boom there it is the whole thing just flooded into my brain (laughs) so yeah we we really we really can be hypnotized that way you know it was just I wasn't supposed to remember until I had grown up and I asked my grandmother one time because my grandfather was reading a book about near-death experiences and I saw it on the coffee table when I was there and he said you know I think you had one when you had your tonsils out and I said you know what I remember trying to tell you something about it and nobody would listen And I said, so how come I can't remember? And my grandmother said, you know what? She's so psychic. And she said, you know what? Because if you remembered being there, it would be even harder to grow up being here. And I thought, oh yeah, you're right. It it was because even after I was 38 to 40 and I was remembering everything, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, they tricked me into coming back. I didn't want to be here. Like, this sucks compared to being there. And I went into this whole depression thing about it. It was like, I didn't want to be here. I wanted to be there. You know, this, this is awful. Eventually you come to terms with this was my choice. I'm here for a reason. I have a mission to accomplish here. I have to help wake people up. I have to, you know, I had to come here, have my children raise them up and then start this career where I was helping to wake people up. You, you do come to peace with it eventually <laughs> what does it make you feel how to say it how does it fit in your religion or understanding of what heaven is or god is well it happens so young I didn't have really any concept of God. I got dragged to church a few times that I remember by then in a Catholic household or family. And that just seemed very rigid and, and, you know, don't do this or God will be mad. And I remember thinking and knowing in my heart that God loves us. God is never going to be mad at us. The God that I know is real, even though I couldn't remember my experience that was ingrained with me that was in my subconscious never to leave and i knew that was craziness that that didn't make sense to me um god doesn't put us in you know punish us you know we punish ourselves we need to forgive ourselves and you know so religion didn't it, it didn't feel right to me you know even though i 
had to go to Catholic school and, and go through all the motions, it just never felt real to me. I never thought about it till just now, like, you know, how could heaven be so great if God was so mean like that? Exactly. You know, this, this is a, a limited consciousness concept of God because people with limited consciousness can't understand an unlimited God. You know, I've come to understand so many things since um, my journey when I remembered everything. We just keep growing. And I remembered so many past lives. And oh my gosh, you know, I've kind of been a light worker in many of them. I was, I was hung as a heretic. I was stoned. I was um, burned as a witch a couple of times. <laughs> um, so we've been through the gamut. We've, we've done all that stuff but always stood for truth. We're back. There's no such thing as death. Um, we're here to spread the word and the truth. And the truth is life is all there is. <clears throat> There's no such thing as death. And we have free will and that free will creates our reality. It creates our reality here. It creates our reality there. And the only thing that I can say to make your reality better is weed out the beliefs that got somehow into your subconscious growing up because a lot of crap just seeped in there growing up that we saw around us or were told by adults and we don't even actually know sometimes what we believe until it becomes threatened but we weed those things out and replace them with beliefs of love abundance goodness um and magic because life is magic and nothing's impossible. And to believe anything else is limiting yourself. And life is unlimited. Consciousness is unlimited. God is unlimited. We're unlimited. Our soul is unlimited. And to believe anything else is, is just not going to be an experience you're going to enjoy. Well, thank you. <laughs> this is pretty informative. <laughs> That's pretty detailed your death experience. It was detailed, you know, and I feel so fortunate because like I said, even though it, the details weren't with me until I was older, I felt different. I couldn't stand to see people that said one thing and did another thing. I, I always thought, you know, adults did it all the time. I saw it all the time and it never felt right to me. Um, even one time in, I think it was in kindergarten, I had a teacher that pretty much instructed the class to lie. We were, we were practicing this song and this routine thing for parents night or something for a long time. And she said, well, just tell them we learned it the other day. And you, you didn't, we didn't practice it. And it, it's just spontaneous kind of thing. And I remember thinking, so she really wants us to lie. <laughs> And, and just thinking, you know, why would an adult tell you that? You know, it didn't feel right. It didn't, it didn't resonate with me. Um, but I saw it all the time, you know, and, and you become sensitive. I didn't realize that I was empathic. And so if I went in a room or a place and I didn't like the energy, I didn't want to be there. And I couldn't explain to people around me why I didn't want to be there. They didn't understand. Um, I, I, that happened one time in my school, the first school I went to, it was a bigger school. 
And for some reason, the class was having like an assembly and we had to go down into the lower level of the school. And when we went down into the lower level, I remember thinking, oh, I don't like it here. It feels awful. It was just horrible energy. Something bad happened here. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. And I went home and I trying to explain this to my mom and she didn't really understand. And so she's telling my grandmother and my grandmother, I think, totally understood. She understood, um, tried to get me to explain and I really couldn't, but I knew there was bad energy there. I didn't want to be there. Um, but I ended up having to do it anyways. And it didn't seem so bad because the first trip down there was just with my own class. But when the whole school went down at once and was all there, it changed the energy enough that I could distract myself from it. Um, so things like that, you just aren't aware of until you're old enough to figure it out, that everything you're feeling is not you. <laughs> everything you're feeling is not you. Yeah, you know, I could feel when somebody else was sad, I could feel in a room if somebody wasn't feeling good or something, you know, I just knew these things and, and I would kind of feel it and didn't realize that, you know, the sad isn't, isn't my sadness, it's their sadness. Um, so you have to figure it out. And that takes, takes a while. Was that distracting for you in school? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I, I tried to, you learn to tune it out. I, I think the older I got, the easier I got to tune it out. And it never went away. You know, even as a teenager, there are times when my guide still would give me a message and I would get it, but I wouldn't tell anybody. It was just for my benefit. Um, I would know things or be told things. Um, yeah, it, it just, it was like my own little secret, I guess, for, for years. And I, I did try once I got older to tell a few friends that I trusted, you know, have you ever had any strange things happen, ever talked to people or anything like that, that have passed and they would change the subject really quickly. And I'd be like, okay, I guess not. I just thought, okay, no, it's not the time, whatever. So when I, when I got to be older and, and found, you know, this teacher that was teaching the class and then got to meet some more people. I remember finally thinking, oh, finally, I'm not the only one in the world. Finally, there's other people like me that grew up like this. And, you know, it was really a coming home to, okay, done that other thing. This is, this is my part of my life where I get to be me now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I was in high school, the junior high kids started gravitating towards me. I, I become their counselor and the school counselor for the junior high pulled me his office one day and made a joke. He said that um, he might as well hang up a sign. He's not in this office. He says, cause everybody goes to you. I guess the kids was telling him, no, I'll go talk to Peggy. Like, you know, I supposed to go talk to him. He says, no, I'm going to go talk to Peggy. And I was just helping <laughs> people with their problems and, um, one guy was suicidal and they would just have all these issues. And, and then I started pretending that was just a game. Um, um, I read something about how to read palms. And so I started telling fortunes, but when I was reading yeah. their palm, these things just started coming to me and I thought, I'm just pretending I'm just playing. I never acted like <laughs> I knew it, 
But then later at high school reunion, this guy come running up to me, says, I was hoping you were here. He says, I just got to tell you, everything you told me came true. And I said, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just playing. He's like, no, no, listen to me, listen to me. He says, it all comes like Because I didn't understand. You know, I know. Maybe I had you it. You don't. Yet. You don't. You were young too then when you had your experience. I was five when I drowned, yeah. And I, it seems like maybe you did too, kind of come back with a high moral compass. Like I just knew right from wrong and nobody else seemed to, you know, like it's not, what's not right. It's not right. And yeah. And the funny thing is, you know, I was still the rebellious teen, but I also feel like, um, I, I didn't feel bad about doing those things. That was part of my experience. You know, that, that was what teenagers do you know you skip school once in a while and you you know go down to the river and swim instead and stuff um, yeah but that felt right to me too because school was like squashing my spirit I remember in high school thinking the honest to god reason I am I am in high school is to kill time because what else do you do till you're old enough to work and get married and do other things that was my answer what am I doing here because I didn't like it I didn't like, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends. I had, a, you know, a few associates and stuff, but I didn't feel ever like I was one of the crowd. I could pretend a little bit for a few hours, but it never felt, you know, truthful. Um, but yeah, that's the answer that I got was, yeah, you're just kind of killing time here until you're old enough to get married and do what you're supposed to do, you know. I kind of felt like a hippie in the 70s. <laughs> like I was in the wrong generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, I didn't feel like I really learned anything in high school, really. It was just go there, get through it. In fact, I, I we, we changed to a semester system when I was in, I think, in grade 10. And I figured it out that I could get out in three and a half years if I planned my courses properly. I did that too. But, <laughs> so I got out in three and a half years because I thought, no, another day here more than I need is not going to happen. And um, I got called into the guidance office. Well, how come you're not taking that semester? I said, I'm done. And he said, like, well, what are you doing after? I said, I don't know, but I'm done. <laughs> I had it all figured out, you know, no taking no study halls, just taking these classes. I didn't care if I did good. And as long as I passed them, got my credits, I could be I was yep. done at the end of my junior year but then my mother moved us and so <laughs> the beginning of my junior year so I didn't get to do that and so I so I got midterm my senior year that's the earliest they allowed so yeah I think well I only ended up graduating one semester early so I would have been like grade 11 and a half I guess when I was finished um so that was fine with me I got a whole semester off <laughs> um but that was fine I, I just didn't enjoy that experience that much it was just passage you know I had to get through it get to the other side <laughs> yeah it's funny it's funny how experience like that so young just changes your entire life your personality mm-hmm well, you know, like I said, it's a subconscious thing that even though I, we, I didn't remember details, 
the important thing was still there. That connection was still there. Um, the knowing was still there. And I would always just know things. And I didn't even understand that other people didn't, you know, until I get asked, well, how do you know that? I don't know. Doesn't everybody know that? It changes us whether we know we had one or not. Yeah, exactly. We didn't know we had those and we didn't know about after effects or any of that, but it, it changed us anyway. We didn't have to know about it. And to me, that's the proof, the evidence yeah. of these things is we have the changes even when we don't know we're supposed to. Yeah. And we don't know that everybody doesn't just know stuff like that. I didn't. I didn't realize that I knew things until people would say, well, how do you know? I'd be like, doesn't everybody? It, shouldn't everybody know? I don't know. I don't know how I know. Um, and other things happen too, like with my past life memories that I was very close to my native past life. I had, um, I guess it was in the 1800s. And my guide that was with me from the time I was young was he was a chief in that lifetime and he was my, he's been my guide since, you know, after my near death experience happened. And so I was very connected to that lifetime. And of course you're probably my age. So what was on television the whole time you were very young cowboys and Indian movies, right? I'm 61. <laughs> Do you remember those cowboy and Indian movies? Oh yeah. Um, that was all that was on Saturdays and on for movie time. It was shoot 'em up, cowboys and Indians all the time. And I used to get so upset with that. I'd be, like, I would hide my face when they were shooting at natives in the movie. I would always turn my head. I didn't want to see it. Um, <clears throat> there was a, there was a, yeah, just so many things about that that would bring up the memories for me. And there was one movie where there was some white person saying about the traditions of the natives saying oh they're just heathens and i remember getting really angry when i heard her say that i had no idea what the word meant but i could feel what it meant and it wasn't good and she was calling natives heathens and i just got so mad i got up from where i wasn't watching the show and i ran through the kitchen and I ran down the stairs to our porch and I got to the bottom and I just yelled to nothing around me. I could, I guess I knew my guide was around, but I said, we weren't heathens, were we? And I heard him say to me, well, what do you think? And I remember thinking, no, we weren't heathens. And he goes, well, that should be good enough, shouldn't it? There's your answer. So it just triggered those past life things for me when I was seeing it on TV all the time. Um, <laughs> so I remember thinking, running out, getting mad and having that emotion and talking. And, and then when he said, well, what do you think? And I remember, no, we weren't. And so then I stopped myself and I'm looking around going, oh, I wonder if anybody saw me yelling and talking to nobody here. You know, <laughs> I got really suddenly like, self-conscious like what am I doing why did I get mad why am why am I talking to nobody and getting mad you know what is happening here what's going on well, it wasn't until I was older that I was like, oh, yeah of course that was my past life why I just got mad being called a heathen <laughs> <laughs> well is there anything else you'd like to add no, I don't think so. It's been fun chatting with you. 
Yeah. Yeah, I could show you my book. This is okay. my book here. Oh, that's a there pretty is book. love. So the first you know chapter. What? I is never really show nice. my book. Here's my book. Should... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me put my glasses on because you're in the small frame there. <laughs> uh, Hold it one more time. Hold it up one more time. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. It's kind of in the light. Like... Nice. At the, it's like a flower. The will of a wildflower. You mentioned right. you were talking to a flower. I think it's a sunflower. After yeah. five-year-old drowning, I had a communication with a flower. That's nice. why it was called that. I think it was yeah. the angel that talked to me during the drowning I, and I started to leave. And, and then she spoke to me after the drowning. And then I think the, it wasn't talking to a flower. I think it's her way of communicating, like getting my attention. And, and then start this conversation, like kind of foretold my future and kind of told me some things. And so I didn't want to tell people, you know, once I'm an adult, I think mm -hmm. I talked to a flower when I was five. You can't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. In, in my first chapter is, is my near-death experience, the whole experience. And then from then on, it goes on to show how it affected my entire life. You know, when I was even young, I was told I would have two husbands. I was told I would live in the house. I would live in an apartment across the house from where we were living at the time when I grew up. And I'm telling my mother these things. And she's like, yeah, whatever kind of thing, you know, ended up being true. I lived in the very apartment I pointed out when I was five. So I was given all of these things along the way. And half of them, I remember thinking, really? That's, I guess I could happen, whatever, you know, and then years later, it does. It's like, oh, yeah. So I, I wrote about it because I thought, you know, we all have this map within us that has our life plan in it. And we know what it is. It's in there. It's in there. Yeah. And, and I, I used somewhere. to be so overwhelmed by this stuff. Like, how does this make sense? But now it's just like, well, of course, we were on the other side in the land of all knowing and wisdom. And we were hearing voices, actual Spirits telling us things on the other side. So why shouldn't all that continue? Like, why should it be undone? Because it's just, it seems like it just opens it, opens a third ear up, a third eye, you know, to that. Yeah. And, and for us, it's totally normal. And I really think that that's what we're here to teach is that everybody has this ability. It's not just because we had a near-death experience. We all have a map within us. We all get told things and probably go, oh, yeah, whatever. You get these thoughts and go, that was crazy and blow it off and forget about it. But we didn't. We remembered them and they would come to pass. And still to this day, I tell my clients that, you know, sometimes spirit gives you something and I always listen. I've learned that I have to listen. Doesn't matter how stupid it sounds. Have you ever not listened something and regretted it? Just with some little things that didn't really matter too much, but anything major it's like I, I know I have to no matter what no matter what I want or no matter what it seems like in my head we were told to come to Arizona I knew we were coming here and before um before the pandemic hit it was 2019 early on I got well, okay we're going to move to Arizona now it's time my husband's from Arizona he was in Canada with me for nine years and I knew we'd come back but I got okay, it's time, you got to go back to Arizona now, it's time to go live there. And I thought, okay, well, we got a lot to do with the house to get rid of and 
downsize everything, get rid of half our stuff and whatever. Seemed like a lot of work. And then by June that year, I'm getting, no, you have to go before the snow comes. You have to be gone before winter. I'm like, oh, okay. That makes it fun. (laughs) So, but I listened. I knew this is, we have to do this. So we did it. You know, we got ready. We got the U-Haul. We sold the house. The first person through our house bought our house. Um, It was all meant to be. It all lined up. And we had to stay in a hotel for two nights before we left. Um, and we had the U-Haul packed and we got up that day we were leaving, leaving town to the first snow. And I thought, there we go. The first snow, we're gone. We're out of here. <laughs> so it just all fell into play. It all worked out. And I had no idea what this big rush was like. What are you, why are we having to do this so fast and, and furious? And we got here, we got settled. Um, yeah. And about when we were here we moved in this place december 12th yeah we had to go back to canada briefly because my husband became a dual citizen we had to go back for that and we got stuck there for five weeks in january in the middle of winter it's like no this isn't why we moved to arizona um but we came back and the day before we came back our flight was to happen i heard my we were staying at my friend's house and i heard on her news something about all oh, this weird flu happening in China. And I got this feeling going through me. I was like, oh, we got to get back right now. We got to go. We left the next day. We came back and within two weeks, they were shutting everything down here. And after that, it was like, oh, that's why we had to be here. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad that we were here because it would have killed my spirit to be up there. My children are all there. Um, they were locked down three Christmases in a row there, even including the last one. It's been a nightmare there. And compared to here, you know, I've didn't buy into any of the whole thing myself, actually. But uh, yeah, it's been so relaxed here and so completely different than up there. You know, you I mean, went through you buy the into the whole COVID thing. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, Didn't yeah, you? I wore a mask like three times the whole <laughs> The whole time. <laughs> um, like, I went I through immigration through in less this, than a year. Cam. Come on. I, w- I went through immigration in less than a year, which is pretty quick because uh, I think, number one, when it, when it hit, everybody kind of stopped applying to be here because the borders were closed. And so we got here just in time. I got approved about a month before the injections were approved, apparently. Um, so that wasn't on the table for me. So everything just fell into place for me. And it was like, yeah, I listened. (laughs) I had to listen. I didn't know why at the time, but now it all makes sense. So my whole life has been that, that way. And I tell my clients, if you get something that strongly, you have to listen because if you don't, it, you're, it just won't work out. And you know, a lot of times I've listened, but then like, what am I supposed to do? Because like, my son, Matthew, he was 18. He was leaving for the army for the first time. And all those things a mother goes through, the firstborn leaving the nest, then going in the army. And this is before 9-11. So um, yeah, all the things I worried about. One thing I didn't worry about was a plane crash. But just as I told him goodbye and he left to go into the plane and my ex-husband, I had called him and said, you know, you need to be here. So he was there. He left to work come. And his, my son's girlfriend, Jackie, was there. And just as he went to board the plane, they all, we all were supposed to be three walking away back to the parking lot. 
But instead, mm-hmm. right after I got on the plane, I stopped my tracks. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I went to the window and I said, that's his plane. And there's something wrong. There's something wrong with that plane. And they're laughing at me. They said, oh, come on, come on. I was like, no, there's something wrong with the plane. There's something wrong with the plane. And mm-hmm. they're, they're laughing, thinking, oh, stop being a mom for five minutes. you know." And I said, <laughs> no, I wouldn't leave that window. I said, I'm telling you, there's something wrong. And I thought, what do I do? I can't run in and grab my son off that plane, right? And the plane started to go. And they're like, okay, let's go. I was like, no, there's something wrong. And smoke started coming out of it. And they said, oh, that's normal. It's taken off. I said, no, uh-uh. Look at the mother plane. Smoke ain't coming out. And, they're, and they convinced <laughs> me, you're stupid. Just get in the car and go home. So me and his girlfriend got in the car and go home. My ex went whatever, wherever. And so we got about our way. And my son called. They had to make an emergency landing. They were losing fuel. I said, I told you. And I thought, what could have I done? Just having a knowing sometimes doesn't help because you don't know what you can physically do other than go screaming like a crazy person. You think, but what if I'm wrong? And I'm, I'm pulling my son off this plane or, you know, it's already gone. What can I do? It's in the air. And can, who do I go tell at the airport? You know, they're going to lock me up or think I'm some psychotic person. And, but, and- you know, sometimes it's worth it. You know, it's, it's worth, you know, if you're going to save someone, it's worth looking stupid for the day, whatever, know. you know, I had that happen. We had a pool when my kids were young and, I babysat children and this is this is funny because I babysat all these children for years and never had a problem with anything and the one day this the mom was actually visiting me and her daughter um, was in the pool swimming and she was standing right there beside me and I looked at her and I thought she's in trouble and I jumped in and I grabbed her and I pulled her out and she when her face hit above the water she was screaming and her mom had no idea and I thought Thank God. And I I remember thinking for that split second, I feel she's in trouble. I just have this feeling she's in trouble. And I thought I can either jump in with my clothes and look stupid for nothing, or she could drown. So I jumped in with my clothes on and grabbed her and she came up screaming and her mother was like, I had no idea. She looked like she was just swimming. And I thought, yeah, but she was right at the, at the spot where the deep part was. And she looked like she was treading water, but I thought she can't touch and she freaked and I jumped in. <laughs> so I thought I'd rather get wet for nothing than yeah. you know, have somebody get drowned in my pool. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I've learned about it is if, if you think it, what does it hurt? Does it hurt to go check? You know, mm-hmm. I'll get feelings about something. Mm-hmm. I have said, no, I'm not going or didn't go for whatever reasons. And then something happened and I just can't live with it. And so I said from after that, I said, from now on, I will check it out. Even if it's, you know, oh, oh good. Everybody's okay. It was false alarm. Fine. But I'm going to follow through. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much. You're welcome. You're in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful here. It's getting starting to get hot now. Um, yeah. We're getting ready to get a storm. So I'm like, glad we still have internet. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>